Okay, we are live. Thank you for joining us, Alice, for this very special book club. I'm going to get into it here in a minute while I'm finished setting it up. We're talking about the second Oz book, The Marvelous Land of Oz which has a much longer elaborate title that I will read to you in a moment. Uh, this was the second Oz book he, he never intended, that Frank Baum never intended to write. Uh, it was supposed to be a one-off, um, but he got over a thousand. He, he, he told a fan that if he got over a thousand fan submission letters asking for a sequel that he would write one. So he finally did that uh, in 1904, four years after the first book. Let me make sure I'm still live. I think it's acting weird. I'm, I'm checking that right now. Okay. Yeah, we're good to go. We're on still? Okay. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, so, this, um, so he got over a thousand fan letters to write a sequel, and he finally caved in and wrote it. Um, this is from an era that book sequels are not... I mean, you know, a, there's, there's a concept of children's books um, being a series, but it's still not, like, a very prominent thing. Um, Alice in Wonderland actually got a sequel through the looking glass, but which is, you know, something that obviously inspired Frank Baum quite a bit, just the absurdist kind of, um, play on words type of stuff. Um, obviously that makes a, that's a prominent part of this story as well and his entire series which we'll get into here in a moment. Um, there's a lot of wordplay, arguably more than the first one, the first Wizard of Oz. Um, it's one of those things where when you read epic fantasy, it's like you're peering into something like Tolkien. You're peering into an entire universe that exists. Whereas when you read Wizard of Oz or any of Frank Baum's Oz series, it feels quite the opposite. Like there is nothing happening outside of what you're currently looking at. Um, I very much get that feeling from his works. Like it's just blackness, just opaque darkness outside of what is observed at that current moment. Um, it's more of an odyssey than a fantasy. It reads like religious text, actually. It's very um, wise and, I don't know, like old English, like kind of archaic way of speaking. Um, but I got everything ready now. So we'll begin our journey into the marvelous land of Oz. I'm joined by the great March Hare, 
with his awesome Osmo the King background. Very apt for this particular rabbit hole. This this is a I couldn't trim it down any, but this is actually a Melvin's album cover. Yeah, you've shown me that before. Probably my favorite Melvin's album. It's called so, the Osmo. The full title for this book is The Marvelous Land of Oz, being an account of the further adventures of the Scarecrow and Tin Woodman. Uh, quite a mouthful. I, I like it when books' titles are like an entire paragraph. It's pretty great. Um, so our journey begins not following out, uh, Dorothy, but actually follows a boy named Tip. And Tip is, he has amnesia about his past. He's being kept by an evil sorceress named Mombi. And something I immediately thought was interesting about uh, this particular story is on, looks like it's the second page. Yeah. On the second page, um, it talks about how to be a witch is outlawed in Glinda's kingdom um, ever since the Wicked Witch of the West. So to be a witch is a very specific thing that they don't quite uh, talk about too much, but it's different from uh, what it describes here. Mombi, she aspired to, to working magic realized it was unlawful to be more than a sorceress or at most a wizardess. So a wizardess is a step below a witch. And then you have a sorceress. So we have this, this chain here of types of magic users that it lays out. And it doesn't quite describe what these things are, but a witch is, that's illegal. You can't be a witch. There are no witches in Glinda's kingdom. Um, and we'll see why later on. Um, so Mombi is evil and Tip is kind of, uh, he's a kid. So he's, he makes playful pranks on Mombi. Mombi goes to visit a, a wizard, a practicing wizard. And while she's gone, Tip fashions a man out of wood and puts a pumpkin on its head to scare Mombi when she gets back. And that is Jack Pumpkinhead. Uh, so there's this, basically it's kind of like a scarecrow, but it's, it's a man with a pumpkin head and he's got this frail stick body. And then he dresses it up in clothes and he puts it outside so that when Mombi sees it, she'll get scared. So that happens. And Mombi comes back and Mombi's not scared. She's like, this kid took clothes out of my closet and put them on this mannequin. And she was saying this wizard to get to make a trade. And it says that she traded him um, a bunch of bullshit because she's she's evil. So she traded, she tricked him, but the stuff that the wizard gave to her was real. And one of those things was the powder of life. So she's like, 
she's like this kid tip tricked me he i mean he he took stuff from me and made this mannequin but i'm gonna get him back by turning it into life so she puts the magic powder on it and there's a specific ritual she does um one thing that is very specific in these books is the way the magic's done so it says uh Mombi lifted her left hand with its little finger pointing upward and said, whoa. And then she lifted her right hand with the thumb pointed upward and said, toe. And then she lifted both hands with all the fingers and thumbs spread out and cried, po. Um, and then Jack Pumpkinhead said, don't yell like that, which were his first words. So... Jack Pumpkinhead's alive now. Um, she locks him up in the stable immediately. <laughs> so she brings this poor thing to life, which is like extremely frail, as we'll see later on. Like Jack Pumpkinhead does not, he, he, he can't do much. <laughs> and his head is a, a squash. So it's like, he's not very, the, the, something that Frank Baum really emphasizes a lot is that, Jack Pumpkinhead is dumb. Like he's stupid. Uh, and so <laughs> she locks him in a stable and then she tells Tip that she's going to turn him into stone uh, with another thing that she got. So um, it, she tells him that she's going to turn him into stone and then basically goes to bed. Like, okay, I'm going to turn you into stone. So like go to sleep that way. You know, I'm going to turn you into stone tomorrow <laughs> just, and just expects him to stick around, I guess, which like, obviously he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So he leaves. And then as he's leaving, he lets Jack pumpkin head out of the stable and they, they leave together. So um, at this point, Jack pumpkin head and he are talking and um, he explains to him, he's like, I, I made you. Like I created your body. So um, I'm, I'm basically your father. And so Jack Pumpkinhead calls this kid father throughout the whole story. Um, so Jack Pumpkinhead and Tip go on. Uh, oh, actually, here's the part. He says, you must be my creator, my parent, my father, or your inventor, replied the boy with a laugh. Yes, my son, I really believe I am. Then I owe you obedience, continued the man. And you owe me support. So that's the arrangement here is that as his son, he owes him obedience, but as the father, he owes him support. Um, <laughs> that seems like the, the L Frank Baum understands the arrangement pretty well. Uh, so then they decide um, that they are going to go to the Emerald city because they want to speak to the King there which if you've read Wizard of Oz, you know that the current sitting king in the Emerald City is Scarecrow. Um, so they're on their way to the Emerald City and they come across a sawhorse. And it's just your standard sawhorse. It's a log with some, some pegs sticking out the bottom of it. And then um, Jack Pumpkinhead can't move very fast. He's just kind of shambling around. So Tip decides he's going to make him a steed. And 
So he turns, he uses the, oh, he stole the, the power of life from Mombi. So he turns the steed alive and it's, it's just a sawhorse, but now it's alive. So like, but it's a horse. <laughs> There's a lot of that kind of, that kind of stuff in this book. So the thing kind of moves like this because it doesn't have joints. So it's going one leg and one leg. It's like, it's very awkward to ride. Um, but that's how Jack Pumpkinhead's getting around now. Um, is, it, is it any faster than he is? Yeah, it's really fast, actually. Um, we see it go very fast. Um, it's also um, very snarky. The sawhorse is, um, is a, he's a snarky character. Um, oh, so, so it talks. Yeah. Like when they bring it to life, um, it immediately starts running and <laughs> and tip yells stop and oh no actually he says whoa whoa i say and it and then he's like why isn't it stopping and um jack pumpkinhead who's supposed to be dumb actually pretty smart here says i don't believe the animal can hear you i shout loud enough don't i answered tip angrily yes but the horse has no ears smiling said the smiling pumpkin head because he's always smiling uh no matter what the situation he's a very upbeat character because he's forced to be he's called it that way yeah he's in a perpetual state of smiling he's but um so we used to call permagran yeah yeah he's he's that character he's kind of like this he's kind of dumb and regardless of what going is going on, he's kind of, he's always smiling. He's kind of oblivious to the fact that they're in danger. The situation's bad. So, um, so he makes the horse some ears and now it's listening to him. So then he's able to ride it and he says, um, does woe mean stop? Asking the sawhorse, of course it does. And the hole in the ground means stop also, doesn't it? Because it, it fell into a hole. So it learned that two things mean stop. Whoa, and falling in a hole. Both of those <laughs> things mean stop. <laughs> and Tip says, uh, to be sure, unless you step over it, then it doesn't mean stop. And so... Uh, our party is growing pretty quickly, the same way Dorothy's party grows really fast. Like Dorothy, as soon as she gets to Kansas and meets the munchkins, the very next thing that happens along the yellow brick road is she meets the scarecrow. So we're seeing a mirror image of the first book. Um, especially since the scarecrow in the first one is also credited as being kind of dumb at the beginning. Um, same thing with Jack Pumpkinhead here. So they're going to the Emerald City. And then when they get there, um, they go to see the Scarecrow. And Scarecrow and Pumpkinhead become friends pretty quickly um but before that there's a character named uh what is her name 
Jelly of Jam. And Jelly of Jam is a little girl in the Emerald City. And um, she acts as a translator because Scarecrow um, is speaking to Jack Pumpkinhead, like, why are you here? And Jack Pumpkinhead is like, um, well, I'm here to see you. But before we continue, we're going to need a translator because we're from different places. So even though they can understand each other fine, they need a translator. And when she gets there, she's kind of a troll. She, she uh, basically, one of them says something and she's like, he said, you're stupid. Mm. And Jack Pumpkinhead's like, no, I didn't say that. And it's like, I know that, but how dare you? <laughs> That's what my translator said. So um, I think what he's saying here is that people intuitively, regardless of where they're from, kind of understand each other. Like if you're ever communicating with someone who speaks a completely different language than you, there's still a understanding. Um, but then like a third party is kind of disrupting that, like just by being difficult on purpose. So that, that resolves and they become friends. Um, and now we're introduced to General Ginger um, of the Revolt Army. And General Ginger leads an army of girls. They all use sewing needles and they're going to overthrow Scarecrow's rule of the Emerald City because they want all the shiny emeralds that the city contains. So they get there. And they immediately overthrow the whole kingdom because Scarecrow has zero defenses. So all these girls with sewing needles just come into town and, and just take over. Um, and Scarecrow is forced to leave. Um, but he doesn't really care. He talks about how his crown is heavy and it makes his, when he wears the crown, it makes his brow furrow because his head's made of straw. It's just a sackcloth of straw. So when he wears the crown on its head, it sinks his head in and get, makes his brow furrowed like he's in deep contemplation. And he talks about how heavy this crown is. Uh, he says, I don't mind much the loss of my throne, for it's a tiresome job to rule over the Emerald City. And this crown is so heavy that it makes my head ache. So um, now they're planning a way to leave. And what they do is they all hop on the sawhorse and just make a mad dash. And they get poked on the way out by these sewing needles but Scarecrow, it's, it doesn't hurt him, and it doesn't hurt Jack Pumpkinhead. It doesn't hurt the sawhorse. Um, but Tip gets uh, a couple of, like, pricks in the leg and in the arm. Um, but that ultimately, they come out unscathed. So from there, they go to see the Tin Woodsman, because Scarecrow knows Tin Man, and... Um, that's really his only other place he can go now that his kingdom's gone, is just going to see his friend. So 
they go to see him. Um, and then we're introduced to another familiar face, the uh, Tin Man. And now that they're with the Tin Man, um, they decide they're going to go back to the Emerald City because um, the Tin Man has an axe. He's kind of a badass. Like in the first book, he fights off um, some of the flying monkeys with his axe. Um, and basically, Tin, Tin Man is going to take on this entire army of girls with sewing needles using his axe. He's kind of like, I mean, I'm made of metal. I was going to say, you know, when you're made of metal and you can yeah. you're built to swing an axe. Yeah. Right. It's not a bad plan. It's not. <laughs> but along the way back, we're introduced to a new face. It's a giant woggle bug. Uh, to be specific, this is Mr. H.M. Woggle Bug T.E. And <laughs> uh, his very long name has a explanation. Um, he's a giant beetle and he's very kind of pompous. Um, and he talks about his education. Um, he says HM meaning highly magnified. So highly magnified woggle bug te and the te is thoroughly educated so highly magnified woggle bug thoroughly educated is his full name um and we find out his backstory is he was just a bug uh, but he was in a schoolhouse where this professor uh, was teaching all these children and he was just kind of a fly on the wall during all these conversations. And he was there for, I think he said three years, just listening to these courses. And then one day the professor picks him up and puts him in front of a magnifying glass to show his students. He's like, this is a woggle bug. So he becomes highly magnified. It's a big magnifying glass. So all these kids are looking at this bug and the bug kind of just bows to them, which freaks out um, one of the girls who was sitting on a windowsill and she falls out the window. And so all of the kids and the professor run outside to go check on this kid who was fine, just bumped her head. But while they were all distracted, he ran away while he was still magnified. So now he's just highly magnified. He, he, he was... Uh, <laughs> he was able to escape while in a magnified state. Um, and he's also thoroughly educated. So um, that's that's the story of Wogglebug. And he joins our party. Um, he's also headed to the Emerald City. I can't remember why. Um, but let's see. The sawhorse broke its leg and then they repair it. And the sawhorse says, it was a shame that I broke my other leg. On the contrary, airily remarked the wogglebug who was walking alongside. You should consider the accident most fortunate for a horse is 
never of much use until he's been broken. So um, throughout this, Tip keeps telling Wogglebug, stop making jokes at my friend's expense. Like, it's not funny. And uh, he says, in our language contains many words that have double meaning. And to pronounce a joke that allows both meanings of a certain word proves the joker a person of culture and refinement who has moreover a thorough command of language. And Tip says, just because you make puns doesn't mean you're like sophisticated. And he's like, I, I beg to differ. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very intelligent. It requires an education of a high order to be making these kind of puns. And that's kind of that's kind of his contribution to this party is he's just making jokes at everyone's expense and thinks he's better than everybody. Um <laughs> now Mombi is with uh General Ginger now. Um the evil witch from the before is with the army that's in place in the Emerald City, that's occupying the Emerald City now. And Mombi is making all of these. Mombi has a crystal mirror that she looks in, or not a crystal mirror, but she has a, a pocket mirror she looks in that tells her the future. And she knows that the party's headed back now. So she sets up all these traps to stop them from coming back. Um, for when they came to the banks of the rushing river that threatened to bar their way, the little queen kept steadily on passing through the seeming flood and safety. Oh, I missed something. They come across the queen of mice, which is a character from the first book. Um, and Scarecrow and Tin Man already know the queen of mice from their adventure with Dorothy. So the queen of mice, um, for some reason is immune to illusions. Um, she's able to decide like, basically able to see through all the tricks. So there's a, a river, a flooding river, and she just walks straight through it because there is no river. So they're able to pass after her because of that. And then there's a few more. Um, there's uh, 40 branching roads that, that's uh, whirling around like a mighty wheel. And first they go in one direction, then in another, completely bewildering their vision. So it's one road that forked into 40 different paths. And I thought this was interesting because this isn't exactly the same kind of illusion as trying to cross a river. Um, but the mouse is still able to pick the right path. She just knows. So... Um, I don't know why the queen of mice is queen of mice is immune to these illusions, but she is. And then there's um, crackling flames, like just a giant wildfire. And the Tin Man is like, I don't. That doesn't bother me. And he's able to bravely go through and show them that it's not a problem. So, with the queen of mice's help, they're pretty easily able to um, get past all this stuff. And Something that is emphasized, we're going to see this again later on, something that is brought up a lot is deception is bad. Um, lying is bad. 
and illusions and tricks are bad. That's not good magic. Honesty and light is Glinda's kind of magic, like helping people. But deceiving and tricking people is bad. That's sort of, we're going to see here later on, the main theme of this book, and I would say of Wizard of Oz as well, is to know yourself is the goal of life and the greatest um, attainment, basically, to know thyself, which um, as we talked about last time we did a Wizard of Oz book, L. Frank Baum was a theosophist. He knew Helena, Helena Blavatsky. Um, theosophy was an 1800s California cult that was derivative of Christianity, but it's looking at it from an alchemical um, occult perspective. Um, Helena Blavatsky said something about how Jehovah was a lunar god, a moon god. I can't remember the reasoning for that, but um, it's all based around magic is kind of Helena Blavatsky's thing. And L. Frank Baum was a theosophist. He wasn't very outspoken about these things, but he knew Helena Blavatsky. And knowing that he knew Helena Blavatsky makes all of this make a lot of sense. There's, um, for example, um, the first Wizard of Oz book is full of this alchemical print, all of these alchemical principles. Like um, the Emerald City, let me back up. The Munchkins, when Dorothy gets to Kansas, they all wear blue and they point her to the yellow brick road. And in color theory, blue and yellow make green, which leads to the Emerald City. So it's full of stuff like that. Um, they, these books are really deep, even though they're written for children. Same thing with Alice in Wonderland. It's, um, it's, it's written for children, but there's a lot of deep hidden concepts that are not face value at all. When, when Wizard of Oz was first published, it was very much a, um, it was very much a, controversial book for a lot of reasons like parents were not okay there were a lot of there were a lot of christians that were not okay with wizard of oz when it came out um the same thing same exact thing happened when the movie came out um christians were not okay with it one of the big reasons for that was the um glinda is a good witch um this is the first time that an American audience or maybe any audience is exposed to a witch that is good. Um, and also, I mean, if you're paying attention, you can clearly see that Frank Baum is pointing out some deeper concepts. This is not just a children's book. So they're not entirely wrong to be sussed out by it, to, to be like, well, what the hell is going on with this? I don't think Frank Baum has bad intentions, but he's doing more than just telling a children's story. Absolutely. Um, so that this is a huge theme with this book too, is illusion is bad. That's a bad kind of magic. And the greatest thing you can do is to know thyself. So with that in mind, 
<clears throat> says all magic is unnatural and for that reason is to be feared and avoided. So then we get into, they're back in the Emerald City and Scarecrow, well, Tin Man's plan worked exactly the way he thought he, it would. He just started swinging his ax around and all the girls ran away. Um, and they're able to walk directly up to the castle. So now they're at the castle confronting General Ginger. And um, they're talking to her. And Scarecrow says, how dare you sit in my throne? Don't you know you are guilty of treason and that there is a law against treason? Ginger says, the throne belongs to whoever is able to take it. I have taken it, as you see. So just now I am queen and all who oppose me are guilty of treason and must be punished by the law you have mentioned. This view of the case puzzled the scarecrow. How is it, he asked, turning to the tin man. Why, when it comes to law, I have nothing to say, answered that personage. For laws were never meant to be understood, and it is foolish to make the attempt. So Tin Man's telling him laws don't make sense, and you shouldn't try to make sense of it because that's a fool's errand. So, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty that's pretty blatant uh, thing for for Frank to throw in here. Um, but. Scarecrow had some mice still stored in his body. Um, the queen of mice was leading him, but he had mice running around inside of his, in the straw inside of him. And he lets them all out now. And the mice scare Ginger out of her seat. And she runs away. So they've reclaimed the castle. Um, and they bolt the doors. But they're still what do you call that? They're being sieged because there's still an army outside of the castle. So they're like, okay, well, we can't really, we, we won the castle back, but we can't really do anything about it. Like we can't, we're stuck here. So. Um, what, what kind of time segment is on all of this occurring? Is there, does, it, does, does he even get into time like days and nights going by? Oh, this all took, um, you mean in between when, um, between what and what? Really on any of it, does, you know. It's been like three days since the story started. Because, you know, when you get kind of deep into some of these, you get somebody deep enough in it, they don't, it, it might not just, you know, it can kind of keep running and skip by somebody going to sleep and a day going by or anything like that you know yeah no it it's it is established how long this has taken and it's been about three days since all of this started since tip uh made the pumpkin head and they went on their adventure um i, I might be a little off on that but it's like somewhere between two and five days since all of this has happened so um because when they they actually sleep is a big part of it because everyone in the party doesn't have to sleep except tip. Like they're not a oh. scarecrow. 
yeah, Scarecrow, Tin Man, and um, Jack Pumpkinhead and the Sawhorse, they don't have to sleep. So they just kind of stay watch over Tip while that's happening. So, um, so where are we? So they're they're occupying the castle, but they're kind of just stuck there. So Scarecrow has to come up with a way to escape again. Um, so to recap so far, we went to the Emerald City, which got sacked by the um, revolt army led by General Ginger, and they flee. They go get Tin Man, pick up H.M. Wogglebug T.E., and come back, and now they're trying to leave again. Because, I mean they're just they're in a bad situation again so they gotta leave so um tip still has this magic power that he used to make the sawhorse and that mombi did to bring pumpkin head alive so they need to create a flying machine to leave scarecrow decides because that's how the wizard of oz left he left in a hot air balloon when he got found out so he's like, okay, that's the only way we're getting out of here is through the air. So they have to build a flying machine, but they only can work with things in the palace. So they take some leaves off of a big tree. Um, they take two couches and face them to each other. They take a broom and attach it to the back. And there's a mounted head. Um, I can't remember what they call it. It's not it's not an elk, but it's like an elk. And they mount that to the front. And then Tip puts the magic powder on it and it comes to life. So this is called Thing because it's what the fuck is that? Uh, it's just Thing. Um, and um, oh, the head was of a gump. A gump is a creature that lives in and Oz, um, it looks like this. It's got antlers, but it's also got whiskers like a billy goat. Um, but it's head, it's just a head. Um, so this thing, it's kind of fucked up. Like this thing immediately hates life. It's like, I was a majestic creature in the woods. And the last thing I remembered is being, I heard a loud bang and then I died. And next thing I know, I'm a fucking couch with branches and my head's mounted to it like it's like you know usually i would be very upset about this but clearly i'm not a mad uh, a majestic gump anymore i'm just uh this weird thing so i guess i'll just go with it <laughs> i will be your servant because i have lost my pride along with my body so this thing it's fucked up. They bring this thing to life and it immediately hates life. It's like, I should be dead right now. <laughs> it's kind of kind of fucked up for a kid's story. Um, but it's like, all right, fine, fuck it. So they they fly this couch, two couches with a, a gump head on the front and these big branches and they, they fly it out. <laughs> but they left in the evening. So as they're flying away, they're really high up 
and they realize, oh shit, we don't know where we are and we can't land because we might land. We don't know what we're landing into. It's that dark out. So they just keep flying until it's daytime. Um, <laughs> and um, this is this is right before they leave. Um, and yet, continued the thing. When I carefully look you over, my masters, none of you seems to be constructed much more artistically than I am. Appearances are deceitful, said the Wogglebug earnestly. I am both highly magnified and thoroughly educated. My smile, said Jack Pumpkinhead, is worth your best attention. It is always the same. Semper Edom, explained the Wogglebug, which I had to look that up. It just means always the same. So, um, <laughs> The thing says, I am proud indeed to meet such exemptional masters. If I could, but so, but if I could, if I could, but secure such complete an introduction to myself, I would be more than satisfied. That time will come, that, that will come in time, remarked the scarecrow. To know thyself is considered quite an accomplishment, which it has taken us who are your elders months to perfect. So this, this is going to be important near the end here. Um, and it, it, we're getting to our overall theme of the book to know thyself is a great accomplishment. So um, the basically Scarecrow saying that we all know who we are. Um, he's like, my head is stuffed with straw. I'm, I'm a man of straw. Um, but I'm, I'm wise. I've been given, I've been given wisdom by the, the wizard of Oz. The tin man is made of tin, but he has a heart and he knows who he is. He's found who he is. And this thing that's made of couches is like, I, 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 what the fuck am I? <laughs> He's like, I wish I could know myself like that. And Scarecrow is like, well, that will come with age, basically. You'll know who you are as you get older. So um, they fly all night. And um, as they're flying, the bottle that had the magic powder in it is now empty. But Tin Man discovers that there's a hidden compartment in the bottom of the bottle. So they unscrew that and there's three pills along with a piece of paper. And the piece of paper reads, Dr. Nicodick's celebrated wishing pills, directions for use, swallow one pill, Count 17 by twos, then make a wish. The wish will immediately be granted. So they get these magic pills and instructions on how to use them. But then reading it, they decide, wait a minute, we can't count 17 by twos. That's impossible. So these pills won't work. So 
they keep flying and they eventually um they realize they've passed the desert now so oz is surrounded by a big desert and on the outside of this desert is the real world where dorothy came from um so they they passed the desert and now they are in the real world um because they flew all night they didn't they weren't able to land anywhere um and they're like fuck this is bad and they land in a jackdaw nest which is these big aggressive birds and they're like shit we got to get out of here the birds are going to come back and the birds do come back and they have to fight them off and then um, they're able to find some treasure there. Apparently the jackdaws have just been stealing stuff. So um, Scarecrow lost a lot of his straw that he was stuffed with. Um, and they replace it with money because there's just bills everywhere. So now Scarecrow is stuffed with money and he becomes the most valuable member of the party, according to the Wogglebug. Um, get it because he's stuffed with money <laughs> so um, they decide they're going to need these wishing pills to get out so um, Tip takes one of the wishing pills and they figure out you can count by twos to get to 17 if you start with 0.5 so <laughs> Tip Tip counts 0.5 to, or what does he say? He's 0.5, 1, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, 13, 15, 17. And then he makes his wish, or no, he eats it and then immediately gets sick. And he's like, I wish I never ate that pill. And his wish is granted. He never ate the pill. So, um, <laughs> wish wasted uh none of the rest of them can eat anything because they don't have stomachs so the woggle bug eats it and for some reason he's just Im immune to the bellyache that tip got um and he wishes for the gump to be restored so we had a um a detour out of oz but now we're back on the right course. Now they're headed back into Oz to meet Glinda. Um, with the obstacle out of the way, they're headed back and they finally get to Glinda's kingdom. And um, when they get there, Glinda was already expecting them. And she tells them that, uh, okay, so Scarecrow asks Glinda if she can help him reclaim the Emerald City. And Glinda explains that it's not rightfully his to begin with. Um, he inherited it from the Wizard of Oz, but the Wizard of Oz got it from the king before that and the king before that is dead but he has a daughter somewhere named Ozma and 
she doesn't know where Ozma is. Ozma has been hidden. Um, but she does know that Mombi knows where Ozma is. So Glinda's like, I'll help you get back to the Emerald City, but I'm not going to help you get back on the throne because it's not yours to begin with. We're just going to go get Mombi. So they head back to the Emerald City for the third time. And um, Glinda makes a deal with General Ginger. She's like, I'll leave without over, you know, I won't occupy your kingdom because Glinda has a superior army. They're like actual soldiers. She's like, I'll leave, but you got to give me Mombi. So um, they finally get Mombi. And it's a whole thing getting Mombi. She tricks them a bunch. But they finally get her in custody. And Glinda has this giant pearl that she wears around her neck. And it's only clear if you're telling the truth. Or it's only white if you're telling the truth. It gets cloudy if you lie. So she's interrogating Mombi, like, what have you done with Queen Ozma? And Mombi realizes she has no play except to just tell her what's happened. So um, Mombi explains that she has turned Ozma into a boy. And that boy is Tip. Which is a huge shock to Tip. <laughs> He's um, surprised to hear this. Um, and um, Tip doesn't want to become Queen Ozma and rule the Emerald City. Um, he says, I want to stay a boy and travel with the Scarecrow and the Tin Woodman and the Wogglebug and Jack and my sawhorse and the Gump. I don't want to be a girl. And Glenda is basically telling him that he has to fulfill his destiny and become the queen. So Tip says, if I don't like being a girl, and this is, this is really interesting. He says, if I don't like being a girl, you must promise to change me into a boy again. And this, um, Glinda says, that is beyond my magic. I never deal in transformations, for they are not honest, and no respectable sorceress likes to make things appear to be what they are not. Only unscrupulous witches use the art, and therefore I must ask Mombi to effect your release from her charm and to restore you to her, your proper form. And so I thought this was interesting too. There's a whole ritual for how Mobby does this. Um, the first act of the witch was to make the boy drink a potion, which quickly sent him into a deep and dreamless sleep. Um, the witch squatted on the ground, um, drew the gossamer hangings to shut him from all earthly view, kindled a tiny fire of dried herbs, 
which she drew from her bosom. When the blaze shot up and burned clearly, old Mombi scattered a handful of magical powder over the fire, which straightway gave off a rich violet vapor, filling all the tent with its fragrance and forcing the sawhorse to sneeze, although he had been warned to keep quiet. And there's a picture of the ritual. Very elaborate. I don't know if that's L. Frank Baum's choice or if that's just the illustrator's kind of perception of it. Um, while the others watched her curiously, the hag chanted a rhythmical verse in words which no one understood and bent her lean body seven times back and forth over the fire. And now the incantation seemed complete for the witch stood upright and cried the one word, Yawa. And then Tip turns into Ozma. And we get a picture of Ozma. Doesn't look too much unlike that Melvin's album cover. And then um, with that, Ozma becomes the queen of the Emerald City. Um, the pumpkin head, eventually his head rots and he dies, but he lives the rest of his life in peace until that point. And Scarecrow and Tin Man go about their business. Um, and Ozma rules her kingdom, sometimes riding the sawhorse through town. And that's the end of the book. That's uh, how it resolves. And I don't know. There are certain things that it's really clear what Frank Baum is doing. But there's other things that I'm, I'm not quite understanding. So I don't know why there's this whole thing with Tip and Ozma. Um, it probably has some significance. It's just not very clear. Um, but it is, especially nowadays, a very interesting thing about the being turned into a boy and then turned back again. Um, and Ozma didn't really seem like she wanted to be a girl. She enjoyed being tipped. Um, and even tells the rest of them, it's like, you know, don't treat me any differently. This is, I'm not, I'm still the same person. So I just thought it was an interesting choice that Frank Baum made with that. Um, obviously this is written in 1904. So it's not, uh, on, it's not topical on purpose, right? Like these aren't things that are commonly being discussed um, at that point in time, but um, it is interesting now to read it in 2023, uh, 119 years later. So, yeah, and that brings us to the conclusion of the magnificent, the marvelous Land of Oz. I'm sure we'll do other um, Oz books in the future, but next month. We're going to be reading the Unabomber Manifesto by Ted Kaczynski. I don't have my copy yet, but um, I'm excited to read that. 
recommended by my friend Nick from Triangle Fire. Shout out to Triangle Fire out of Athens, Georgia. Um, it's a very different book than The Marvelous Land of Oz, but um, it ought to be interesting. So yeah, that's all I got. Thanks for joining us.